Linkin Park was my first love musically. You know, Meteora, the first album I ever bought. Because again, I associated it with uh, what it was. You know, Linkin Park was its own genre. It wasn't as simple as rap rock or rap metal. It was, it was Linkin Park. <laughs> Notfest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Talk To Me here on Notfest.com. The guest this week is Raul from bloody wood uh new album rock shock out now and they are a great band from india they will be doing their first u.s tour september 24th starting at louder than life here in my backyard all the way through october 13th in dallas texas so make sure and check them out and as always i'm joshua toomey joined by the one the only chris aiken chris how are we doing awesome man how's it going dude i am pissed because My stupid team lost to your my my USF. <laughs> we're gonna go USFL talk right off the jump this week. I got my hat on. You got your hat on. So my team loses to your team when they miss like a twenty-two yard field goal, right? Yeah. To lose the game. So I'm watching. What is it? Saturday night. My mm-hmm. team is on regular TV on NBC. Right. I'm pumped. I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna watch the game. I'm because of the different channels they're on. I haven't been able to watch like a full on game. So I'm watching. They send this new kicker out to kick a (laughs) 56 yard field goal. The dude nails it, right? Nails it from 56. But then I lose to you and lose a $41 hat deal (laughs) over a guy that can't kick a 22 yard field goal. So that's, that's how I'm feeling. Do you want me to send the hat back? You can wear it. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good, man. But, uh, you, you know, it's crazy as sports weekend. I'm trying to get into soccer. Like I've been, I've been okay. paying, you know, Nashville got a U.S. or an, an MLS team. Sure. I've been paying attention to them, learning the names or whatever. They're playing here tomorrow. This is why we're recording technically a day early. Uh, they're playing here in town. So I'm like trying to, I don't, I, I don't want to be super fair weather fan or super sure. nerd fan. You know, so I'm trying to learn some names, ordered a shirt, got the shirt in the other day, going to go down tomorrow. And so Saturday night, 7.30 on Fox was the Nashville uh, soccer team right. on TV. And at 7.30 on the USFL on the on the NBC was my USFL team. Nice. Both games, rain delays. The soccer, <laughs> the soccer game had a three hour rain delay. Ugh. And then, so it kicked over to like FS1. So right. I lost that. The football game, you know, it, it goes into something or other. It, you know, the rain delay there too, because right. they're, you know, near each other in the South. It goes into rain delay. It goes over to like FS2, you know? <laughs> so, like, so I started, I just had to kind of keep up on my phone for the rest of the day. I was so pumped to sit down and watch, have a nice sports weekend in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of the calendar, middle of and, summer. And you got none of it. No. Me- Meanwhile, I got the USFL TikTok messaging me because <laughs> because I was because I was goofing on them. <laughs> that was hilarious. You sent me that. And you're like, dude, the USFL commented on my TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like you know, I'm, I'm I'm supposed to be too old for TikTok. 
I'm doing this TikTok, and you heard the bit. It was just yeah. a straight goof. Yeah. It was me goofing on. I bought my USFL championship tickets. And I was just goofing on the fact that they were so cheap and that I right. probably had to serve hot dogs or something to, <laughs> right. to get in because there won't be any people there. And they commented on it. And I was like, are you kidding me? The USFL is, is worried about a dummy like me. And, and honestly, probably one of the few people that's actually commenting about the USFL. Right. And they're going to they're gonna come at me. I was like, okay, that's funny. <laughs> that's one of those times where you sit down and you're like, it is the year 2022. Yeah. And the USFL is commenting on my TikTok. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, where do, where do we begin with all this? I know it's just a mess, but whatever. It was funny. It is funny. <laughs> <laughs> too good. Too good. Uh, not a lot of news this week. Um, one thing I wanted to jump into is obviously yeah. one of our favorite bands of all time is Pantera. Yes. And uh, there's going to be an estate auction online. And, you know, a few episodes ago, I told you my love of, garage sales, estate sales, you know, yep. give me a rummage sale. I'm going to be there and I'm going to haggle um, to see that some of Vinnie Paul's personal items going up, uh, you know, obviously sad. I think you said it was kind of, kind of gross, <laughs> you know, kind of, it's kind of ghoulish. Creepy. I think I used the word ghoulish, <laughs> ghoulish. But when you, when you look, cause there were some people that are like, you, they need to send all this stuff to a museum. But when you get into the stuff that's for sale, it's not necessarily some of it's not even Pantera or, you know, hell yeah, or, no. or damage plan related. It's just his stuff. Yeah. So, so I kind of see why, you know, they're throwing some of the stuff up. Uh, you know, there's a few items I'm going to definitely, I'm going to bid on. I, I was kind of torn if I was going to say what I was going to bid on, because like, what if somebody else wants to bid on it against me just out of spite? <laughs> well, just say the thing, just say the things you're not going to bid on. That might be better. All right. Uh, there are a few things that jumped out to me here. All right. Speaking of the USFL, yes. there's an XFL 2000-2001 kickoff season football mini helmets and jersey lot. So that means he had a ton of XFL from the two <laughs> from the year 2000. Uh, you know, a uh, memorabilia there. Starting bid one hundred dollars. All right, are you you're bidding on that? I'm not going to bid on that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Lots of, you know, lots of random Dallas Cowboy jerseys. I mean, I get it. I mean, if you, if you went to sell my old Titans jerseys, it would be a mess. It'd be like a Dory Jackson and, (laughs) you know, you know, probably like a weird Marcus Mariota or something in there. Right. But, uh, like a Felix Jones, Dallas Cowboys Jersey starting bid $75. Like that's just, that's a bizarre one. Hey, you get this miles Austin one and he on your team now. No, that's the other guy. Miles, that's Miles Garrett. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm thinking of um, who's the wide receiver you guys just Tavon Austin? No, no, we didn't sign him. Not in Austin. It, it's the wrong guy. But um, uh, some of the you know a lot. He has a ton, a ton of of sports memorabilia on here. Uh, mm-hmm. cool Nashville related thing. Nashville Predators official hockey goalie mask starting bid 50 bucks i'll probably see throw a couple of bucks on that that's that's the overwhelming theme to this thing for me yeah the prices are pretty reasonable oh yeah now they might get stupid with the bidding but there's so many items that i don't think too many of the things are going to get crazy expensive right you know like i i was looking at and even though i think it is ghoulish i might bid on one or two things myself I was looking at the Marilyn Manson backstage pass that's specifically addressed to Vinnie Paul. Right. Yeah. Some of that stuff. Yeah. I would like to have that. I think that would be a cool piece. 
But, you know, I, I mean, the Pantera stuff, the hell yeah stuff, all that stuff seemed a little outpriced, a little pricey for me. Right. But, you know, I'm a cheap fuck, though. 20, Here's, 30 bucks, that's about what I'll spend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the like something we talked about on here, the amazing Jonathan signed book to Vinnie Paul and life to, and life size standy. Both yeah. dudes passed away. And I like I like Pantera. I like the amazing Jonathan. That's just a bizarre thing to own, you know? Right. <laughs> and what's but, that run? uh starting bid on that's a hundred i think that's not bad yeah that's what i'm saying a lot of these starting bids are not too bad i mean you all you obviously got there's like full-on drum kits and you know right. uh, dime bag owned guitars and things like that i mean obviously yeah. those are going to get ridiculous but the um yeah the like the great southern trend kill tour pearl drum kit and road cases opening bid seventeen thousand five hundred. yeah that's a bit much so now, do you think on all the cheap gear that um Vinny's Vinny's chick or whatever is gonna be sitting there bidding the stuff up trying to get some extra coin out of this thing or no? Oh, I don't know. Well, who owns it? First of all, who is the is it Vinny's well the he had a girlfriend, right? Yeah, the estate. There's a there's a breakdown of the estate somewhere, but it's I think the main thing is the girlfriend, and then there's there's like an equal share to like one of his like his right hand man, I can't think of his name. I think he gets like five percent. I know okay. that that I think Rita gets a little bit of it. Um, there's there's a few people that he split it between. You can obviously tell he had a pretty decent will because it was like broken down very specifically. Mm, wow, everybody gets a little bit, but yeah, I mean, some of this stuff is ridiculous. Like, uh, Dude, would you have ever thought that he he would have had a will? Well, I mean, he was a very business minded person. So maybe, yeah. he, you know, he, he kind of, he was kind of the business behind the band. So maybe he, he was yeah. looking at that far ahead. You know, I'm, I'm assuming Dimebag didn't have a will. Unfortunately. Yeah. I was going to say Dimebag. <laughs> if he, if he did have a will, it was scrolled with a Sharpie on the back of a crown Royal bottle. You know, I can't right. see him having an actual, an actual will. I Daryl Abbott. <laughs> right. Daryl Lance Abbott. Uh, I was looking at some of these jerseys. Uh, Brad, Lu there's a Brad Lukovich jersey on here, and um, Brad Lukovich invited me to his house on tour one time and let me wear his Stanley Cup rings. Wow! So he and his house was like a shrine to Pantera. He lived in Dallas, and uh, he was the one that when they when the Stars won the cup and they took the cup to to Vinny's house and dented right. it by throwing it in the pool. That was like the time when, uh, when Brad had the, uh, had the, um, cup. So, Oh, wow. That was his, <laughs> his so did, con connection to the Dallas stars. How did you get that invite? I filled in for a band out of Tennessee called dead son. And they were doing a tour of the South. And one of the dates was, um, during the lockout when the, the, Brad Lukovich is a big metal fan, big okay. Pantera fan, but he's also into like Nickelback. I mean, he's in kind of into that stuff too, but he's like, you know, real big into breaking Benjamin and all this stuff. I'm right. still friends with them on Facebook, but um, he posts about those guys all the time, but he invited us to like, you know, showcase for his, his label. Okay. And, you know, we get into town and we call him and like, Hey, we're in town a little early. And he's like, well, come on over to the house. And so he invited the whole band over to the house and, right. you know, he just kind of showed me through it and he was like, Hey, these are my, you know, Stanley cup rings. And I'm like, Oh, that's pretty neat. Nice. And then, um, an another time he came through Nashville and, uh, this was in my space days. 
And I just shot him a message saying, Hey, I see, you know, you got, he was playing for the Tampa Bay lightning at the time. Okay. And I said, I said, you know, I messaged him on, on MySpace and said, Hey, I see you guys are playing uh, the predator soon. You know, when you're in town, if you need anything, just let me know, you know, here's my cell phone number or whatever. Right. And uh, one night I was closing up at my job and I looked and my phone started ringing, you know, out of state number. Hello. Hey, it's Brad. We're in town. You know, let's go out and grab some <laughs> drinks. Dude. I have never, I've, I've been in, I've been in clubs with Deftones and corn sure. and, you know, just metal bands just, and, and girls could give a shit. Like they were mm-hmm. just like, ah, whatever, dude, I, I had four of the Tampa Bay lightning in my car and we went to this club and dude, you could just hear the, like, a <laughs> like all the girls saying like, those are pro athletes over there. Nice. And they were like, and for some reason they were coming up to me like, Hey, can we talk to them? Can we, you know? And, but it was, it was one of the more bizarre things. And then I remember a couple of years later, when Canada beat the U S and the, um, Olympics hockey, uh, they were panning the Canadian team and right. they panned got by one guy. I'm like, Hey, that guy was in my car, <laughs> you know? So, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how that all, how, how that all came about. All I right. still talk to, I mean, I still message with him occasionally, but, uh, good dude, Brad Lukovic, man. Why don't you bring him on the show at some point? I've invited him on the show in the past. I even even when I was doing Drag the Waters, the Pantera show, I invited him on. I just I don't think he's much of an interview guy. Oh, well, you can talk about that car thing, <laughs> right? There we go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so yeah, go check out this uh, Vinnie Paul auction. Don't don't uh, there. I mean, honestly, there's one item on here that you almost have to just see it and be like, oh yeah, that's what you're bidding on. <laughs> but I want I want to know like the um some of these you know the, the 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 hockey items i'm assuming they were like on a wall you know mm-hmm. around the bar or something I, I i wish and hope that there's a photo of them up somewhere so like if you get the the national predator hockey goalie it right. kind of shows you where it was in the bar or something yeah you know? because it is kind of bizarre just to get like a random like it's not signed i don't know if you get some sort of um you know, certificate of authenticity or anything with it. You would think that you got to, I mean, otherwise why would you buy it? Right. I mean, what good would it do you to have a, you know, a predator's Jersey. <laughs> right. If you, if, if you can't, Oh, it was Vinnie Paul's. Sure. It was. Sure. It was. <laughs> sure it was. <laughs> um, let's touch on, uh, Steven Tyler relapsing, entering treatment. Okay. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, I did. Uh, I didn't see. read it, but I I saw he's he's back in rehab. Yeah, the you know the the Aerosmith. As many of you know, our beloved brother Stephen has worked on his sobriety for many years. After foot surgery to prepare for the stage and the necessity of pain management during the process, he has recently rela- relapsed and voluntarily entered a treatment program to concentrate on his health and recovery. We are truly sorry to inform our fans and friends that we must cancel our first set of Las Vegas residency dates this June and July while he focuses on his well-being. Uh, and we could will he, continue our dates in 2022 starting in September. Could he maybe, before he starts getting clean, write an album? Because <laughs> they haven't done shit since he's been clean. Nothing worth a shit. I mean, really. I mean, if you look at the clean records that they've done, what do you yeah. got? get a grip nine lives <laughs> right um 
I don't even know what they've had after that, but I know they're not memorable. So something about a dimension songs from the something dimension. They have yeah. not done good music since they were coked up. <laughs> so yeah, get in there and write a new album. Yeah. You know, hurry up. You know, it's funny. Uh, you and I talked about this recently about um, w- sometimes when these things come out, obviously if it's true, Steven, you know, get in there and get your stuff together, yeah, get, get back out on tour. My mind, anytime any of this stuff happens, immediately goes to they had poor ticket sales and they, they're like, um, Steven's in a rehab. That's what's going to be the story this week. Yeah. Normally I would probably agree. Yeah. I don't think with Aerosmith, I mean, he's been sober allegedly for damn near 40 years at this point. I mean, when did they get clean? 87, 86 it's before permanent vacation. Right. Right. Oh yeah. So that's 80. The one with my fist, your face mirrors done with mirrors. That was 85 or six that came out. Cause I'm old. I know that, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, you know, how, how many years is that from 87 to now? 35. Sure. So 35 <laughs> years he's been clean. They're not going to, they're not going to do that over poor ticket sales. I guess you're right. I guess then they're not going to just throw them in like, Oh, we're just going to say Steven's in rehab. <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes, they threw the drummer out of the band. It didn't cancel dates. Right. They're not going to all of a sudden make up a, make up a story that he's, you know, he fell off the wagon. They would make up a story. Like he broke his leg. Yeah. That, I think, I think, the, boot. I think the broken leg, broken arm, someone in the camp has COVID. I think that would probably be more of a, I guess yeah. a story here. So all right. Yeah. So Steve and Tyler get, get, get well. Yeah. I mean, they could always, <laughs> I mean, and I hate to be that guy, but COVID is the convenient out now. Oh yeah. It's easy. You know, as an older man, Steven is, is worried about his, his health and the health of his family. So he's going to take that time off. And uh, one more story before I get into my interview with uh, Raul from uh, bloody wood. Uh, did you see right. that the Kurt Cobain guitar, from the Smells Like Teen Spirit video, sold for $4.5 million at auction. Jeez, could they spend another 40 bucks and get it tuned? <laughs> God, $4 million for that thing? It, Why? The original estimate was going to be 600000 and then it, it got up to $4.5 million. All right, just, just answer the question. I know it's going to be harsh, and you can cut it if you want to, but... If dude doesn't blow his head off, do we even care about Nirvana at this point? Honestly. I I wonder kind of the the progression of his music and had it I think we would still care about Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. I think we'd I, still care about Nevermind. Yeah. I don't think I think they would have progressed they would have been surpassed by everybody else. You think so? Soundgarden Stone Temple Pilots, all of those bands, I think, would have surpassed him because Cobain would have gone off to write stuff that nobody wanted to hear. He was already trying to do that with In Utero. Yeah, which is you a know, rough the, album to listen to. Well, and that's the recut. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, that honestly, that was the re- Wasn't there an Albini release, a Steve Albini recorded version of it that the record label said no? I think so. So then yeah. they they went back and redid it and added heart shaped box and stuff like that to it. I think that is the way that 
history went. Don't quote me on that, but <laughs> don't quote know, me either. Don't yeah. quote, but I, I believe that's how that went. He would have been by now, he would have been writing artsy folk crap. <laughs> right. You you know he would have been because he was a junkie then. He would have gone way junky. He he might have killed himself from the junk. But I, I don't know, man. I, I just think I I think because he killed himself, he's become way more valuable to uh, way more valued as a commodity because we never saw him go down. Right. We well, really I mean, that's, didn't have to experience it. There's so many people like that though. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. Jim Morrison and all those guys too, the 27 yeah. club, you yeah. know, if, if they would have stuck around, you know, what would they have, you know, become? Right. Yeah. Jim Morrison would have been owning a Starbucks doing poetry reading and shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I just think that, if he, I think that the reason there is such value to co to Cobain anything, yeah, you know, didn't we, didn't we, did we do the story about him selling his hair? Somebody sold his yeah, hair, somebody sold for, his hair yeah. for like $700,000 for a lock of his hair or some crazy yeah. number. It was another stupid number. If we would have seen his career go to shit, you know, I'll, I'll use the perfect example. How much would the guitar from bullet with butterfly wings sell for right now equally as big of a hit as anything that nirvana did right and yeah, i bet definitely you get that for 20 grand yeah yeah so that's the difference the guitar was bought by uh, alleged drug abuser jim ursay owner of the indianapolis colts really um <laughs> wow <laughs> he is uh he has a where is the the Jim Ursay collection is something that goes around. Um, he has a few spots where he does he 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 owns like he owns insane music memorabilia. He has like the you know the piano that John Lennon wrote Imagine really? on and and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, he he has the Jim Ursay collection that goes around. Uh, is that his it. collection to, or his connection to music? Is that he's a collector or does he have like a kid that was in a band or something? No, nope, he's just a or? collector. Yeah. All right. He's just a fan, man. Oh, good for him. I'd yeah. like to have that piano. <laughs> right. But now he has the, uh, the Kurt Cobain guitar, 4.5 million. Whew. Must be nice to have that kind of fuck you money. Right. Good well, Lord. That'd be great. Yeah. They were, there was another article that showed that, you know, he's, they get dudes worth like four or 5 billion. So it's like when you, when you 4.5 million, you're like, nah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that $4 million is like me and you throwing like 250 bucks. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, whatever. Big deal. But uh, yeah, good for, good for them. And uh, you know, good Titans. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, man, uh, let's dive into my interview with uh, Raul from bloody wood. You guys make sure to check out the uh, rock shock. Great. Now, actually, before we get into it, man, did you listen to much uh, Bloody Wood as we got ready for the interview? I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tell him in the interview, but I, I wanted to just say it again, man. I mean, right when you thought that like we were just done with new riffs and new ideas and metal, man, they come along and like the, some of the, the, the beats and the rhythms and stuff, man, I'm just like, they did it, man. They, they fucking did it. Yeah, they found, a, they found a new style or a new, their own vibe, which is, it's awesome, man. Anytime you hear something new, that's just awesome. Even yeah. 
even if you don't love it, it's still awesome that people are still finding ways to create because eventually something good will come from that. Right. But I like these guys personally. I think they're good. And India's got, I, I was looking it up, 1.3 billion people in it. It's like, good God. Like, I mean, the States is still like, what, 375 million? Yeah, something like that. What was it? 1.3 billion? Yeah. Like a primer show. Yeah, back in the day. Back in yeah. the day. <laughs> Once you joined. Exactly. <laughs> but with all that said, let's dive into my interview with, uh, with Raul. Chris and I will be back with you momentarily. From Bloodywood to talk to me podcast here, notfest.com. Raul, how are we doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, man. It's an exciting time right now. We're right in between uh, releasing the album and heading out on tour, uh, performing the album live for the first time. So, yeah, it's great. So, I think this might be the biggest time difference I've ever had. It's 9 a.m. here, and it's like, like I just got done drinking coffee, and it's like 6.30 there. So, so I think this may be the biggest uh, time difference. Definitely. I mean, happy to be the first so far. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that kind of goes on to, I mean, not a ton of bands from India kind of break out. You know, there's uh, you you hear like, you know, bands here and there come from India. But I mean, you guys are, are literally taking America by storm. I mean, everybody over here is talking about Bloody Wood and like how I, I, I was telling a friend of mine the other day. I was like, I was like, just when you think there's nothing left to do in metal. Bloodywood comes along and and adds you know the traditional Indian stuff in it and it works man it sounds so good. Oh, thanks so much and really I got to shout out all our US fans because you guys have been a big part of our support base from day one. You know we're talking um, down to the bare numbers when we see um, you know uh, the numbers behind all our social media stuff, all the all the YouTube comments, everything. There's so much of the US representing over there. And we see it in the comments, just people saying, you know, uh, love from XYZ state and uh, from the U.S. So I really got to shout you guys out. Thank you for bringing us to this point. It's all a lot of it's down to you guys. What was the uh, kind of the the influences behind starting this band? I mean, did you guys sit down and say, let's do a, a band and then add our influences or or how did that how did it all kind of just come together over time? Mm, I think the defining term is organic you know, instinctive. It's something um, we've always done what felt right. And so there was never a plan. It was always, um, you know, there was the ambition, I guess, from the start. And um, the band started with Karan and Jayant. Uh, this got together and decided to, you know, uh, make a few songs. And uh, I guess the 
the plan at the foundational stages uh, was to make covers, like audacious covers of pop music, you know, turn uh, <laughs> make metal covers of pop music and make it as audacious as possible. So we had uh, Shape of You by Ed Sheeran, but metal and the <laughs> very popular um uh, Bollywood songs that were turned into heavy metal as well by the guys and the whole purpose behind that was to um, have some fun and uh, to build an audience and to explore our sound so I, uh, you know they did a great job of that because it always uh, brought a smile to people's faces just the, the, the titles themselves you know just to see what um, you know Rockstar by Post Malone would sound like as a metal song or right. some Bollywood song you know so uh, I, I was initially uh, 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 a viewer or an audience member myself where I knew the guys. I mean, I, I met them about eight months before we collaborated for the first time. And I was having a great time watching these covers as being like, you know, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the cover, the direction of, you know, covers and all that. But what they were doing was great. And it was actually, it kind of encapsulated what uh, I look for in a cover, which is a band. Uh, making their own right. mark on a song, you know, really making it their own. And these guys are doing that. And um, yeah, so the plan was to, like I said, uh, explore our sound, build an audience. And um, eventually, once we built enough of an audience to make original music. And um, so by the time uh, we decided to collaborate, uh, they'd had a couple of, uh, you know, viral songs and had built up an audience it was a um i think it was about at like 20 or twenty-five thousand subscribers at the point but what i noticed was um it was the a really diverse uh group of people you know there were people it was again it was small but there were people from all over the world um you know in the comment sections and supporting and uh really pushing the band and uh we got together and we decided to do a remix of ali ali and it really just threw a match on the gasoline that the guys had already put down and it exploded you know so um here we are that was the whole plan uh were you in bands prior to this or were you doing like you know solo hip-hop anything like that yeah yeah i was uh, making hip-hop solo I, I so when i met karan i karan was the person who made my first ever music video so i uh, straight out of college, like tried to uh, work on my own uh, music, and I, you know, recorded. I mean, produced and recorded and put together my album. And when it got to the point of shooting music videos, I met Karan, and we shot and released my music video. And about six or seven months later, he asked me if I wanted to collab. And like I said, uh, Ari Ari happened to be one of my favorite Punjabi songs, if not my favorite Punjabi songs, uh, growing up. And the decision to interpret it as despite our differences, we are one. Because Ari Ari is just, you know, a chant. It's like, oi, yeah. you know? Uh, so there was a, there's this line that comes after that that says, Teri meri ek zindadi. Uh, so which means uh, like you and I have one life, but they decided to go one step further and interpret it as despite our differences, we are one. And, you know, it was another um, testament to the fact about, of like how organic it's been to this point and because all of us like you know we wanted to make originals but we also wanted to make music with a message and when i heard that i was like this is exactly the kind of music i want to make you know this is the ex exactly the kind of stuff i want to do and um you know we, we got together 
And uh, another thing, it was in terms of the relationship, right? Like I, I was tied with Karan from the first day I met him. I met Jayant for the first time uh, on the shoot of Ari Ari, day one of shooting oh, wow. is when we met. So we didn't even meet in the studio. He went, tracked his vocals. I came in another day, tracked mine. And we met when we had to shoot it. And But these guys are my boys, you know. I, I When I met them, I was like, these guys are brothers I've never known. Like, I'm just meeting them and it feels like I've known them forever. So... Yeah, it was like I said, it's so organic. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it, but we also have our fair share of good fortune and luck. And, you know, uh, it all just came together perfectly. And once Ari Ari exploded, we would, we just knew we'd ha- we had it, you know, that um, it was the perfect mix of whatever we were looking to do musically. And we never stopped, man. We just went uh, and released our next original. And here we are years later. Were you guys ever worried about adding the Indian uh, instruments into the to the music to kind of make it a certain thing and, and maybe in fear of alienating people to where, but actually it ended up bringing more people in? Um, I, I don't think there was any fear. You know, actually that, that goes back to the um, discovering our sound part of the story. So when I had said that uh, the guys had had a couple of really successful songs uh, mm-hmm. before we collaborated for the first time, uh, they were... Uh, Mundia to Bachke Rahi, which is a Punjabi pop track, uh, and uh, Tunak Tunak Tun by Dilair Mendy, which is another pop track. But uh, what happened was that going from going from covers of pop songs, um, they had like you know a few Indian songs as well. But for the first time with Mundia to Bachke Rahi, uh, they fused Punjabi pop with heavy metal, and that's what when Karan discovered you know the Indian percussion, the dhol you see. Um, Sarthak playing in our videos, the Indian mm-hmm. percussion, it's hanging across his yeah, neck. I love and that, yeah. Yeah, so the, the combination of, uh, you know, traditional heavy metal, uh, that sound with uh, the dhol and how massive that sounds like, that's something that Karan, uh, you know, came across and discovered when, you know, thinking about making that cover, when he was thinking about making Mundia to Bachkerehi, the instrumental for it. And that cover really popped. Like, you know, there were songs that went viral for meme reasons and stuff like Pine uh, Pen, Pineapple Pen. I think there's a song like that or some, some shit like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it was really funny and great. But at the same time, the Punjabi pop fusion is what really like got people, you know, out of their seats and this, uh, saying, what the fuck is this? I've never heard this before. And it was an experiment that really paid off. And again, so he discovered that part of our sound through that cover. Uh, and the guys went full force and slammed that song. I, I still love their cover of um, of that track. And uh, then they repeated that with uh, Tunak Tunak Tun, which is again a Punjabi song, and mixing you know the dhol and the the Punjabi elements with uh, metal. And that was definitely one element of the song. And with Ari Ari came uh, the rap vocals and the flute. And you know again it was just it's another. Uh, you know, um, I guess defining feature of the band is aggressive evolution, you know, like learning from our mistakes, but learning from what we do, right? I mean, learning from uh, what's well received and really, you know, um, absorbing that and growing aggressively and fast in the right direction. And uh, these are a few examples of that. So uh, to answer your question, uh, it was, uh, no, there was no fear. It was all about experimenting and finding out what worked and what we liked ourselves. And I'm happy to say we found the best of both worlds. Yeah. I think that like growing up listening to like bands like Sepultura and things like that, where they, they, they 
introduce like the Brazilian culture and even like a band like the who, you know, you've, you've got those guys that are, that are doing metal, but they're also kind of educating the world on, on their home, homeland and home cultures. I like yeah, that. 100%. Yeah. The, um, you know, what, what are your, some of your influences, man? There, there's, there's a couple of things I'm like, you know, is this like Eminem related? Like there's some, some little, little, uh, uh tricks that you do that, that you know, Eminem kind of did early on, man. So what, what did you kind of grow up listening to? He, he's a huge influence of mine, you know, Eminem, definitely like he's, uh, I, but I guess before Eminem, uh, it was Mike Shinoda, you know, cause, right. uh, uh, I like Linkin Park was my first love musically, you know, Meteora, the first album I ever bought. Um, and, uh, without knowing it because again i associated it with uh, what it was you know linkin park was its own genre it wasn't as simple as rap rock or rap metal right. it was it was linkin park you know so <laughs> right. but i loved i loved what mike did and i used to rap along to the words and really enjoy like you know listening to his lyrics and the wordplay and everything that went on with that and that did send me down the rabbit hole of hip-hop which is when the next person i discovered was eminem and uh, i bought encore which uh, like his album was my second album which i bought so i'll tell it mike shinoda and eminem um i'd say they're my first and biggest influences and then after that um there are quite a few rappers after that though but um i guess in terms of the in the bloody wood context i'd say zach de la rocha because it really like him and rage against the machine they just showed me how closely linked you know music and a really world impact can be you know this the boundaries that they pushed and the possibilities they showed us um, that really inspired me. Now, th- this could be a dumb question, but I mean, how prevalent is, you know, a Lincoln park and Metallica and all that stuff in India? Like, is it, is it like as popular as it is with, in the States or is it kind of underground still or, or what are we it's thinking? Very underground. Sorry to no. cut you off there. No, no. It's, uh, it's, it, it is, it is very, very underground. I'd say, so we always quote our friend, uh, Sahil Makija, who is one of the first metalheads, if not the first uh, metalhead <laughs> in India. Um, yeah, he says that for, in a country of a billion people, there are 10,000 metalheads. So that, that that's the scene, except I'd say Linkin Park, again, they they definitely were their own thing. You know, there they was something or there was an entity that both the, the metal scene could relate to as well as uh, everyone else, you know, because uh, it was so funny. Like the uh, Numb, uh, for example, was a song which is an anthem for a lot of engineering students uh, <laughs> because it was like you know one of those Indian stereotypes is like your parents forcing you to do a degree that you don't want to and become a doctor or an engineer and stuff like that but Lincoln Park were huge in India um, especially uh, across our generation you know like with the this is when uh, everyone really I guess really um, across mm-hmm. the board which is listening to Lincoln Park so yeah, uh, I won't say so. Metal isn't huge, but uh, Lincoln Park were uh, very big in India. Well, man, we've been talking so much about uh, so many, so many other things. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Rock Shock and uh, and kind of uh, you know th- the one thing you know you guys could put out so many covers and things like that. It could be a novelty, but to follow it up with this album, it, it just legitimizes everything. It just sounds so good. Thank you so much. Yeah. But I mean, I think what you said there is pretty key um, that uh, when when Ari Ari, um, when we did that, people thought it was a one hit wonder and we had to prove ourselves again uh, with our first original because Ari was still technically a remix, you know. 
um and then it's like you know after that it's it's like can you do this live like are you able to do this live or are you just an internet studio band and we right. did that again so yeah it's been it's been something we're always happy to do you know we're always happy to prove ourselves at the next level now was this recorded in india and and all that yeah it was recorded at uh, bloody wood hq so it's a it's a <laughs> it's one room that's uh, like a, it's a home studio and there's an apartment uh, built around it uh, not that we built the apartment from scratch it was a, <laughs> a room in an apartment that's been turned into our studio and uh, yeah everything was recorded uh, mixed and mastered uh, and produced in that studio all in wow. one room in noida india <laughs> yeah it sounds so good i was i was i was once again talking to a friend of mine i was like man this album is such a good car album it sounds it's just like you know you're just driving down the road you've got the flute you've got the drums you got the metal it's like it just it, it it's very refreshing to hear something sound so good thank you so much man and that's great to know also you know that's like I, that's one of my fondest um associations with music is like music you can listen to when you're when you're driving um so yeah thank you that's very high praise have you uh the one thing I do learn from from bands from across the world is they're a little bit more traveled than than us Americans. You know, we don't like I, I think there's a high percentage of us that don't even have passports, me included. But I mean, have you been to the States before? Anybody in the band been to the States before? Uh, Janet and I have been to the States uh, as kids. Just <laughs> going to see our, just going to see our families. Yeah. You know, just going to go hang and go on a holiday or something like that. Like way back. I think Janet went in 2016. I was there in 2008 or nine. So nice. just to chill like tourists, you know, not for any other reason. <laughs> but this time, yeah, this time is the trip we're looking forward to the most. Yeah. Actually, your first show, September 24th, Louder Than Life, is in my backyard, mm-hmm. basically. It's about 15 minutes Amazing. from my house. So so I awesome, will definitely dude. be there and I will be there early doing media and stuff, man. But uh, but kind of talk about just, you know, obviously the the, the rise of the band and, and you know, getting a, a U.S. tour kind of under the belts. Yeah, I mean, it's super, it's super exciting. And also, like I said, it's because we've seen the U.S. representing so hard for us um, from the start. Um, and you know, th- when we have, uh, any, any show, anything mentioned, it's like people are asking us for the, for that U S tour. And an interesting uh, story about that is that we were going to tour in 2020. Um, we were going to come, um, and play, I'm forgetting the Sonic temple, Sonic okay, temple yeah. in, in May. And, uh, <laughs> we were going to pay a lot of money to get very like fast track visas because, of how uncertain things were in terms of the buildup. We had to really rush and get it done. And right before we went and filed for our visas, the pandemic hit. And we were just like, okay, we got saved in one way, but also we just got wrecked because we can't come and tour. You know, and that was actually fresh off our debut tour, debut international tour, debut any tour for that matter, um, in Europe. And we were all like raring to go and, especially like you know come to the u.s and really like do a full-blown tour and yeah we got stopped in our tracks but um yeah uh, this has been a this has been a tour that's been a long time in the making and we feel the energy all the way from india you know 14 hour (laughs) time gap whatever the fuck like we feel how hard like the u.s goes for our music so uh we're really looking forward to coming over and playing and it's been years in the making man and nothing's gonna stop us this time are you guys doing shows in India? 
Yeah, um, that's another thing we get asked a lot, you know, especially by our Indian supporters. Uh, they'd say, hey, when are you playing? Oh, these are, this is awesome. It's great that you're playing in all these countries, but when are you going to do India? Right. And our response is always, we are always going to do India. You know, we're always going to play India before we head out, um, you know, just to be there for our support base and play for our support base here and to uh, gear up for uh, our tours abroad. So, yeah, we're going to be playing in Delhi, Bombay, uh, Bangalore, and uh, maybe Pune. So those are a few of the major cities in the country for metal and otherwise as well. I guess. Yeah, it's crazy. Like 1.3 billion people in India. And like, I just looked it up real quick. It's like 360 million in the States. But but like, you know, I, I would just stay in India, you know, <laughs> it just, <laughs> just built yeah, a a huge country man we definitely but like the thing is again it's it's one of those things it's like you know before you might have had to rely on your home state your home city or your home country right to get that you know uh, the the support you need to really break out as an international act but we've been fortunate enough to be doing this in the time of the internet so we have people from all over the world holding us up so um yeah, India is growing though. India's India's actually in like the single digit percentages in terms of our support base. Like it's it's pretty small, but they're super passionate, and we you know we feel them like you know trying to like push us and support us in any way they can. And the numbers are growing. So, yeah. This could be a dumb question, I and mean, it's way out of left field that we might even cut it. But uh, is there is there anything in the Bloody Wood music that is offensive? to like the Indian country, you know, the country of India and like the culture and the religion, things like that was, is there anything that's negative there? Um, no, there's actually, there's nothing that's um, offensive in that sense. You know, like maybe people who are differently politically minded, I guess people who you yeah. know, uh, may not agree with what we're trying to talk about in terms of secularism, it's, et cetera. And there are those people, but the, the, the point is, and the point of that, of our, like our music is that, um, this is the true spirit of India. Like what we're doing musically and what we're trying to represent both as a band and the message we put forward is um, something that's heavily inspired by what India represents. You know, India is unity and diversity. You saw that yourself. It's like 1.3 billion people, but we, we're a country that has over 200 languages. You know, every single religion in the world can be found in India. All these kind, different kinds of food, ethnicities, you know, like everyone can find a place in India because... As much as like we talked about stereotypes uh, early on in this uh, interview, uh, there is no, there's no way, there's no type of person who would look Indian. There's the Indian stereotype, but anyone and everyone can be Indian. And that's something we were brought up with. Um, and, you know, that's what India represents, you know. So, um, yeah, it's not offensive. It's just, it's, it's talking about what India is and taking, taking that out to the world, like the universal spirit of India. So... Yep. That's one thing when I looked up to see what uh, what Jayant is, is singing in, what language he was singing in. I was like, well, I'll see what it is. And I was like, you know, what do they speak in India? Google that. And it's like, two, it's like India has 271 languages. I was like, well, yeah, crap. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like there's some languages, um, you know, that are spoken more than others, but it doesn't change the fact that there's so many languages in this country, you know? So, yeah. Is, is English 
uh, I guess a second language for you. And when it, and then on this, on the flip side of that is, you know, obviously rap and, and rapping, you get a lot of innuendo, you get a lot of, uh, you know, breaking the camel's back and just, you know, like sayings and things like that. Are you, yeah. are, are, do you ever say anything and you're like, is that, is that really a saying or, 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 or <laughs> you know, or the, is that a play on words that sounds right? Things like that. Um, for, for me personally, uh, it is my first language. It's my language of choice. And also it's something that, with India, it's our official language in terms of um, the the government and um, really? I guess like whatever the official administrative language is. I'm not 100% certain about that, but um, it is something you find across the country. There'll be English and then there'll be the uh, native language or like the language that's, um, you know, distinctive to that part of the country. Um, so whether in the South, you'll have like Tamil or uh, Kannada. And in the north, you'll have Hindi and Punjabi uh, amongst several other languages. But you will have English also uh, as a part of it. And that relates to, uh, I mean, that moves into our uh, our schooling. Like, you know, we have um, both, we have, I mean, we have both um, like English medium schools and Hindi medium schools in India. So, or whatever, some, it could be in the language of that's native again to that state, like I said. Right. But you, a lot of us are brought up with English. Like, you know, we learn, um, I mean, like English through school and our textbooks and all our subjects are uh, taught in English. Uh, but for me, it was my it was my family, you know, like my family speaks uh, English mostly. So it was just something I was comfortable with and I enjoyed. So, yeah, I'd say it's my first language and um, everyone speaks it equally well in the band as well. It's um, we speak Hindi, English and no one really speaks Punjabi that much. You know, Hindi and English would be like the primary languages of the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, we understand Punjabi to a degree, as in some of us. I won't speak for all of us. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so English is something you'd find across India, whether it's schools, um, you know, road signs, administrative languages, whatever, you know. So it's there for sure. And America's so far behind, man. We, uh, I, I think I took like two classes of Spanish in high school. <laughs> you know? yeah. And like, that is it, you know, like. <laughs> no, but like Spanish is, uh, yeah, it is there pretty much. And no, but I, I can personally relate to that as well, you know, in the sense where, I mean, if you're comfortable with the language, it's cool. It's nice to learn. Yeah. Uh, all these languages, but at the same time, it doesn't hurt to uh, stick to the ones you like the most. Right. So. Well, speaking of language, man, I was going to talk about you know the the uh, singing in Hindi and Punjabi, like the that sound over metal sounds really good like i mean i've never been a huge lyric guy so it's not it doesn't really matter that i can't really i don't know what he's saying but but like the rhythm of the words over the music sounds like it just sounds great <laughs> and it doesn't hurt that he has a great voice too. yeah true <laughs> but, but yeah yeah no definitely that that's another huge thing um uh we all i mean the thing is we take it for granted because we speak hindi and uh like you know like i said like we understand Punjabi or familiar with it at the very least. But uh, I I mean, for us as well, it's, we can appreciate it, uh, appreciate how it sounds pretty unique on a metal track. So yeah, I'm glad that's coming across. Um, it's something uh, that I guess, you know, with the English, it, it kind of, the English parts kind of give you an idea of what the song is about right. and put together, put, I mean, give you a context almost. And the, Punjabi and the Hindi really communicate a feeling, you know, so uh, 
yeah, it's a great combination and I'm glad you feel it. Yeah. It's kind of like, like Rammstein, you know, like I have no idea what he's talking about, but it just sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing that a lot, you know, I mean, this is again, uh, very unrelated in, uh, I guess a musical sense, but like K-pop and the the things mm-hmm. that are yeah, happening yeah. with that across the world, it's just, I guess, I mean, that's what also sets music apart, you know, it communicates emotion, um, apart from everything else. So you don't necessarily have to know the language to vibe to the song. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There's been a few times where I've, I've listened to something on Spotify with you guys and then went to the video and seen the um, subtitles in English and it, and it matches up to, you know, what, you know, what we thought was going on, you know, uh, in my head emotionally. <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, that's good to know. Uh, the the no flag stuff. What is what does that mean, and what does that mean to you? Uh, it means united in the fight for a better world. Yeah. It means that before um, flags of any kind, we're all one people. And to me, uh, you know, uh, I guess it again it comes from uh, India and the way that's inspired me. It, it's like it the the spirit of India holds for me the the key to the world and the key to the world becoming a better place. You know, if we work together rather against rather than against each other, uh, we could achieve so much. And it's such a simple thought, but um, if we could put it into action, we could really achieve a lot. So you know, as much as we're Indian folk metal, uh, I, like I said, we're also universal. And uh, I guess that's why I wear the shirt. You know, it's it's also it's to fight for a better world, to be a person of the world first and foremost. Absolutely, man. Well, Raul, man, thanks for taking some time with me today here at NotFest.com, Talk To Me podcast. And uh, the new album, uh, Rock Shock, is already out. And uh, make sure you guys are checking that out. And then they will be in the States September 24th, uh, Louder Than Life, all the way through October 13th. They hit Dallas, Texas, uh, also hitting the Aftershock Festival, man. It's going to be a great time. I can't wait to see you guys live. (laughs) Thank you so much, Josh. See you then, man. Thank you to Raul from Bloody Wood for coming on the show. Make sure to check out Rock Shock, the new album. It's out now. And make sure to check them out on tour September 24th, Louder Than Life. They're hitting up the Aftershock Festival and ending up in Dallas, Texas on October 13th. So, Chris, 
Yes. Do you have any uh, recommendations for the week? Just the quick TV one. 1883 is nice. spectacular. <laughs> spectacular. I And I hate Westerns generally. And this is definitely an old West Western. But man, it is violent. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I need to check. I, I like I said, man. I got into the uh, Yellowstone. I just need like I just need some time to watch TV. I just don't have enough time to just right, sit down like, and like devote, you know. And I, yeah, like, but I'm actually like doing things, right? <laughs> you know, kids and work and this and that and you know interviews and everything else. Like I feel like I actually have been doing some things. So yeah, but 1883 sure. sounds awesome, man. I want to check that out too. It's really strong, really well worth the watch. So that's uh, it. Uh, I checked out something called the hall on Netflix. It's, uh, they're basically doing a comedy hall of fame. Uh, they're doing their, their inaugural class was George Carlin, Richard Pryor, Robin Williams, and Joan Rivers. It was the, the inaugural class of the hall. All right. Let's see. Carlin. I agree with Pryor. I agree with. Yeah. Who's the other two? Robin Williams and Joan Rivers. I never found Robin Williams to be ultimately that funny. Yeah. I I mean, I'm a big fan, but yeah, I I didn't, I don't know. Mrs. Doubtfire and Peter Pan is (laughs) yuck. I liked him in that one hour photo, but he wasn't funny. He was like a crazy killer. You know, he was, his standup was always fun. I never saw his standup. So, you know, I'm not a real good, good vote for, and Joan Rivers. eh, All right. They got to put some girl in there. So, yeah. I mean, who who would be the other woman? I mean, who is the other women of consideration? Sarah Silverman? Right. Um, There's not very many female comedians. Lisa Lampanelli? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, bring them in too. But yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was, um, you know, obviously star-studded. Uh, John Stewart uh, inducted George Carlin and uh, Dave Chappelle in, in, inducted Richard Pryor. And uh, How's Eddie Murphy not in this mix? Yeah, I can see Eddie Murphy. You know, that's... Or I'm Kinnison, sure they, Eddie Murphy or Kinnison, both. I mean, they'll probably, I'm sure they'll get in. They probably are the next class. Yeah. Next class. They're, if they do like, this once a year, I mean, they're, you know, if they do four a year, once a year, I mean, I mean, obviously my comedy hall of fame, that'd actually be a good thing. If you're in the comment section, who's your comedy hall of fame? Yeah. I mean, I'm Mitch Hedberg. Uh, good uh, uh, fuck. What's his name? Um, Greg Giraldo. Like, I love that guy. You know, and then, you know, the contemporaries of like Bill Burr. And then obviously Chappelle's going to get in eventually. And, you know, Eddie Murphy. I mean, there's a ton of people that, that you like uh, anybody today. Do I like anybody today? Yeah. Is there any like newer, more modern guys that you like? Um, I'm trying to think like off the top of my head. I mean, uh, man, I mean, the most current dudes I'm, you know, listening to watching and stuff like that would be like Bill Burr. And okay. I yeah, mean, Tom Mulaney's great. I think he's really funny, but. I'm a big fan of Big J Okerson. I love yeah. Big J. He's really good. And I like um Louis J. Gomez is really funny. Yeah. You know, all those guys over there at um Legion of Skanks are pretty funny, but those two especially, especially Louis. Louis J. Gomez is wow, he really does not give a fuck. <laughs> and, and I love that. You know me. That's that's my wheelhouse is don't give a fuck guy. So you know, definitely, I'm a Louis J. Gomez fan. He's a great podcast too. If anybody wants to check that out, the Real Ass Podcast, good nice stuff. And I, I didn't have music this week, but I had a couple of TikTokers that I've been really, um, really into. CMS uh, Rocks. CMS Rocks is a good one. You know, the USFL definitely dig it. Um, <laughs> there's a guy, his at bare minimum band. 
but he does okay. this uh this thing called misfits mondays and okay. he takes it's like a graph and it's like a little spider graph, you know, lines coming off of it every, every which direction. And, you know, obviously goes from like, you know, Misfits, Sam Hain, Danzig, and then all of the offshoot bands that, you know, Doyle did and Glenn, right. you know Jerry did and even the Graves era and things like that. And he just takes one band each week and just kind of goes into how it, you know, relates back to the Misfits. And this is really well done. A lot of okay. really cool footage from it. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't really seem like he throws his own opinion in too much. It's very, okay. you know, very documentary style. And then he also does like these things called icebergs and he takes like an iceberg and he kind of breaks it into different, different things. So he did one on kiss and he did one on, um, rancid and he just broke down like, you know, obviously the top of the iceberg is the best songs. And then the next right. tier, basically tears of mm-hmm. songs and things like that. So he's been doing some really cool stuff. Um, Seems are these like longer TikToks or are they like yeah, a minute or two you know, each? Three to five minutes. One okay. I know on the Misfits Monday one, I know they get they get a little bit longer. Um, but I mean, just very well done, very well edited. It seems like he's you know, seems like he knows what he's doing, knows what he's talking about. Sure. And then a guy um at Drew underscore Talbert. Um, he does these waiter skits, <laughs> and, and I know it's really it's kind of a dumb thing, but he 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 just kind of he he plays all these different characters and they're just they're just super well done. Like it's okay. like these people are are, you know, it's not just somebody holding up their phone saying something stupid into it. I mean, they're putting right. time into it, writing scripts and characters and all such stuff. But he's really funny, and he's a Titans fan, so got through that. Oh well, in that case, <laughs> he must be good. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he he he's he's very funny. He uh he I guess he grew up in Nashville, but lives in L.A. now. But one of those dudes. But yeah, he just kind of. If you've ever worked in a restaurant, you will find pretty much everything he does funny. Okay, very cool. So that's it, you know. So watch the hall if you like a comedy. Let me know in the comments section who your hall of fame would be. Look at us trying to be hipsters with TikTok. Yeah, look at us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's some good stuff, man. And uh, and actually, well, I'll tell you another guy, more of All a right. YouTube guy, but a corked bats with a K. Um, okay. The guy uh, uh, Austin Huff over there doing some great work. Very good. It's very funny. He he's been doing this one kind of radio radio skit where it's like him and Big Raz, but Big Raz is obviously already also him. But they kind of go back, but they go back and forth, and it's like like now that I'm editing more video, I'm really trying to figure out how he's doing this. Okay, because. I mean, I could get it if you're like, I say something, you say something, I say something, and you're back and forth. But he's got everything kind of overlapping a little bit. And I'm like, man, the editing in this is just top <laughs> ridiculous. Chef kiss. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, cork bats with the K. All right. Very cool. I'll check that one out. Have you ever checked out, since we're talking YouTube stuff? No, I'll, I'll give one that I like. Do you ever check out John Boy Sports? I don't know. J-O-M-B-O-Y. Maybe. J-O-M-B-O-Y. It's like they take. Sec- they take little things that happen during during sporting events, whether it's yeah. baseball game, football game, or whatever, and then they add their own snarky commentary nice. to it. Yeah. So it's you know somebody gets knocked down, and they're and they're like, "Well, if he did that to me, I'd tell him to go fuck himself." You know, it's just <laughs> it's, it's it, and, and it's just this back and forth, and then they they kind of take where the guys are saying something to the other guys, yeah, and they add in their own words where which are not exactly what they were saying nice. but it sort of fits it's really funny it's just called john boy sports j-o-m-b-o-y pretty funny stuff nice i'll definitely have to check that out 
Well, there we go, man. All kinds of good observations and everything going on in the world. Make sure to uh, to check out Bloodywood, man. I think they're going to be uh, they're definitely something outside the box. If you dig like if you dig like Old Sepultura or you know Gojira, or any any of those bands that are kind of adding in their own element, the Who, um, the H U Who, the Mongolian metal band, you know things like that. I mean, I think that I really enjoy bands that kind of that add, you know are metal but also add in their their sure. home country flavor you know absolutely yeah that who band is crazy good that the who the right? H-U oh, yeah. who they are crazy good and have you looked at their youtube numbers <laughs> no dude it's ridiculous like their their one video is like 200 million plays wow and i'm like how are how am i just hearing about this band in the last like three months and they're <laughs> they're like huge well, all right, guys. Well, for the Talk To Me podcast, I'm Joshua Toomey. I am Chris Egan. And we will talk to you soon. See ya. The Talk To Me podcast presented by NotFest.com. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the Talk To Me podcast. Talk To Me.